Welcome back to The Point. With me today, once again, Bill Cannon and special guest, John Evans, president of Buffalo PBA. Uh, John represents 803 cops, and I believe that number has decreased as a result of all the political uh, backwash that's occurring and the defunding of the police. John, I want to welcome you. Thank you for taking the time out. Um, I, you and I have very similar jobs, and right now it seems that you're Membership is under fire. You have a case that's been in existence. We'll get into that in a minute. Um, Bill, also welcome. Thanks for taking the time to come back on. Uh, you had a, a case a while back during the protests last summer involving a um, individual who I personally would describe him as a um, ongoing, full-time, you know, activist that is probably more of an anarchist from the things that we've heard here down in New York City, uh, Martin Gorgino. And your incident involved uh, your officers moving through the street. There was a video went nationwide. We'll show a little clip of it as we, we move along here. But this individual uh, was elderly, uh, hits the ground. There's accusations that the officer pushed him. Uh, my belief from everything that I've read from cops that I've spoken to across the country as we've all debated this was that there's a lot more to this story. And, you know, that's the main reason that I wanted to give you the opportunity to get out there and discuss it. So rather than me keep talking, um, what's the status of this case and what happened, John? And thanks again for taking the time to come on. Oh, thank, thanks. Thanks for having me. It's, a, it's a, my pleasure. Uh, Absolutely. Uh, what happened there was uh, there was uh, the mayor imposed a 8 p.m. curfew. And uh, apparently Mr. Gugino <clears throat> felt that was unconstitutional. So uh, the order to clear the square was uh, given by our deputy police commissioner. And uh, as the uh, officers, the ERT team at the time, as they <clears throat> were, you know, following their orders to clear the square, they uh, they anticipated problems from a couple other agitators or protesters that are, were a little further back behind Mr. Gugino. Um, Mr. Gugino came <clears throat> at them, and uh, I want to say they were somewhat puzzled by his his presence and in coming towards the line, the the team. Of, uh, of officers that was approaching him and they're telling him, you know, get back, get back. Well, he obviously ignored their orders and uh, continued continued uh, moving forward into, into them. And uh, he had his cell phone in his hand, which he was <clears throat> waving at them in some fashion at their, their radios. And I uh, actually, I believe he touched uh, the one officer's uh, arm with it as they're telling them, get back, get back. And um, so so I think they more reactioned, uh, more re reactionarily uh, shoved him and uh, pushed his hand back, his, his arm with the uh, uh, cell phone in it. And uh, it. so <clears throat> he, in, in my opinion, again, I've watched the, the video, I don't know, hundreds of times anyway, uh, I think what happened was he uh, he exaggerated his fall. Okay, he uh, he meant to fall, I believe, but uh, he exaggerated it in that uh, 
he fell backwards. He hit his head harder than he uh, obviously wished and ended up with a skull fracture. Um, I don't know how it was reported around the world because I got hate mail and everything else, emails, letters, uh, death threats, all the rest. Um, they, a lot of them said, uh, you, you left that old man there to die. And, uh, you know, that, that wasn't the case. Uh, he actually, there was a, uh, state police medic, uh, two of them actually embedded in the, uh, in the unit. And within 10 seconds time, he was receiving assistance. Um, the, again, the, the opposition was more expected from two other individuals that were again, a little further behind him. Um, so <clears throat> at any rate, uh, they, they charged these two officers, uh, with uh, felony assault, which, you know, I thought was preposterous. I don't know, you know, what, what were they thinking and that, that in no way, shape or form was that, uh, you know, excessive. And, uh, uh, um, ended up, they went to uh, a grand jury, no build it. They didn't find any criminality, no wrongdoing whatsoever. Uh, you know, after well, I was eight, eight months after, uh, the, the case. So back in February, uh, they were cleared, cleared from any criminality and, uh, you know, whatever, that was a great day, great day for us. Uh, again, because we thought that the, uh, that the charges were just, you know, uh, off the charts. Um, at any rate, the uh, initially when they did get charged, our administration went over to uh, Bravo District, B District, the uh, the district that the Niagara Square's in, and um, and they said how they felt they shouldn't be charged, and uh, you know this was a mistake, it was an error. Uh, okay, so be it. Um, when they get no build, what does our administration do? but hire uh, Goldberg Sagala. It's a law firm here, prominent law firm. And basically they're a management, uh, you know, they usually represent management in, in any cases. They hired them to uh, prosecute these guys departmentally. And I was really obviously shocked and angered uh, over this in that, you know, you said, you know, they said that, uh, they agreed they shouldn't, they, they should never have been charged. So it was, you know, they did an about phase, let's say, which uh, has caused such distrust um, between your line officers and the uh, components of the administration, if I could say that. Uh, it's, yeah, well, it's, it's, it's a horrible atmosphere that, uh, that we're working under currently. I don't think morale could be any lower. Um, so, John, John, basically, basically, the um, rank and file backed these officers to the hilt, but the upper echelon folded the tent like a cheap suit. Is that what you're trying to say? <laughs> Absolutely. Thank you. Yeah. Very well put, John. Just as a point of clarity, um, because sure. I'm correct, this case is still pending, right? You have some type of legal case still going. Oh, the civil. There's a civil case. Yeah, okay. I actually just got subpoenaed. I was kind of surprised that I would be subpoenaed in this, but uh, I, I, I am being uh, subpoenaed by his uh, his attorneys in federal court. That's perfect. You weren't present when this happened, correct? That's correct. 
and you didn't see, like, you weren't one of the officers in uniform or anything, so you're basically not a witness to this. Exactly. Um, so, okay. Um, you know, I, I could just see defense attorneys bringing you in saying this is what you said, but um, really right. a point of clarity to have it. You know, uh, Billy just brought up a good point um, about morale and the officers all sticking together. If my memory serves me correct, the unit that these two officers were in all resigned, like, within days, correct? That's correct. What happened? Right. How did that come about? Well, that that night, uh, actually, uh, Officer McCabe, who's one of the officers involved, uh, he was uh, he was filing. He had just filed the paperwork for Mr. Gugino's arrest, and it was then he saw on the, the they have a television over there that he was suspended. So. Not sure if he called me or lieutenant called me. I remember exactly. And I said, what are you talking about? Suspended for what? And uh, so uh, I went, I came down downtown to headquarters. And, um, and that's when I, you know, I met up with him and then Officer Torgowski and uh, Lieutenant Losey. And uh, I said, you know, what, what's going on here? And, uh, you know, we had this discussion with the, uh, head of internal affairs our uh, inspector and uh i said this you know this is insane this is crazy so i call <clears throat> our attorney uh tom tom burton who's our you know our article 35 uh attorney and uh you know i run it past him well he makes contact with uh the powers that be from the admin side and uh they did in fact uh you know uh they said no he, they're they're going to be charged um so we're going to suspend them at any rate uh they tried to uh which was despicable the treatment they gave these officers it was maddening it was it made me incredibly angry in that they were attempting to detain them and if not for uh you know attorney mr burton not uh, getting involved and saying well whose decision is this right he basically called them out and you know they pointed the finger in five different directions and uh about five minutes after that time i was walking them out the front door um but you know it, it should never have taken you know an attorney to get involved in order to uh you know uh get, get them out of the building essentially it, it was really it was it was sickening uh the treatment these guys received um, so so were, the, were the officers physically arrested? Were they fingerprinted? Were they photographed? They they ended up going over to the DA's office, right, for arraignment. Uh, it was a couple days later. Okay. So internal affairs locked up these two cops. Correct. John, I'm a little unclear on what. There was some paperwork missing or taken. The police commissioner uh, made a call to Central Book, and from what I'm told, had paperwork picked up. Now, was that of the offices or was this of uh, Gorgino? It was It was paperwork for Mr. Gorgino. And, uh, you know, my understanding is that he made the call, the DPC, Deputy Commissioner Gramalia, made the call down to uh, <clears throat> Central Booking to talk to uh, the lieutenant to have this, uh, this arrest taken out of the system. And uh, obviously they followed orders. She had the report technicians um, erase the arrest and uh, you know fix the gear, amend the blotter 
And uh, again, this is, in my opinion, criminal. Um, yeah, sure it is. You're changing documents. Yeah. And uh, I mean, I just can't imagine if uh, a lot of the circumstances were a little bit different and, you know, somebody else, if I would have called down there and said, well, no, erase my nephew's uh, arrest paperwork. What, you know, I guarantee I'd be in the, the, so the federal courthouse. What made the commission do that? Did he get a call from an elected official? Did he just decide on his own? Did his balls shrink? Like, what was the purpose of him making that I'm, step? I'm, I'm not sure what his motivation was there. Um, I don't, I'm not, I don't know that there was any contact between him and the DA's office. Um, so, so I, I, I can't tell. I mean, the way I felt it, it, it made, it made our guys look like they did this for no reason. Right. Sure. I thought it made them look, look horrible as well. I, I, it doesn't make any sense to me. The uh, liability he did opening up the city to by, by doing this. Is you know, he I mean, right now? I'm sorry. Is he still the commissioner? He's the de deputy commissioner. Correct. So he didn't lose his job or anything about it. No. Uh, after they got no bill, <clears throat> what I did was I, I filed a complaint with the uh, New York state attorney general's office. And I wrote a letter to uh, the FBI, uh, U.S. Attorney had out here, J.P. Kennedy, and um, I've I did speak with uh, uh, an FBI agent um, going back into March, and I did get uh, an email confirmation from the AG's office that they were you know looking into it, but uh, I haven't heard nothing since from either uh, entity. That's probably on the bottom right now. All the cases involving cops are being investigated, so. Wow. I think it's a little time. Morale has got to be at an all-time low because, you know, from what I've read, your shootings are up 100%. They decreased your budget somewhere in the area of $700,000. So I can't imagine it. Your morale is, is good. Yeah, I would say non-existent. And on top of that, we've been <clears throat> we've been out of contract for going on two years. June 30th, it'll be two years. And uh, – yeah, like I said, the, the, there's no, there's such distrust with the admin. Um, I don't know if things are going to change. Uh, February, I'm sorry, June uh, 22nd, we actually have a, a primary. Our mayor is uh, running, and uh, I expect, I expect he will win. Uh, the other two uh, uh, candidates don't have very strong campaigns going. You never know what can happen, but uh, I'd, I'd be shocked if he didn't. Uh, you know, so we're going to have have him around for four more years. What he's going to do personnel wise, usually after elections, there are that's when they do make changes. So we'll, we'll see what happens after that. But uh, John, is, is, is Buffalo a uh, Democratic or Republican town? Heavily, heavily Democrat. Heavily Democrat. Okay. Yeah, the the, the general elections really don't don't matter for uh, uh, for all intents and purposes for. For city residents, everything uh, uh, occurs during the primaries. So this this primary will that's will, that's New York City too. Yeah, no, John, do you believe that this this some kind of an organized direction? Uh, we talk about defunding the police. We're seeing this nationwide, 
And we're seeing crime, particularly the murders and the shootings, are skyrocketing across the country. In addition to that, police officers are, are being shot at on a regular basis. Uh, we don't hear any outcry, mainly from the extreme left or the Democratic elected officials. It's almost as if they're ignoring it and pretending that it's not happening. Do you get the same pulse on that? Uh, absolutely. I, in the way I see it, they have so much blood on their hands with the legislation they passed and, and they continue to try to pass. I, they seem content with, uh, they want cops to come to work and, uh, you know, take the report. I mean, you'd almost say, okay, tw 20 minutes after you get the call, get there and mop up. I mean, that, that's, and they're content with that. I, it's baffling. And it's, it's as though the cops are the only ones that care. Uh, about the, the the crime rate, you know, escalating, exploding the way it is, in that you know you're telling my guys, hey, you you gotta you know avoid confrontation, you know whatever you can do to avoid confrontation. This atmosphere, you know, you got a guillotine uh, waiting to fall on you. So, you know, you work accordingly, and um, it's it's so demoralizing. You know, I'm telling these, you know, I say telling these kids, but uh, the newer officers. This department has no idea the damage they've done to these guys for you know the next twenty years, and that uh, they're they're putting such a such scrutiny and pressures on these uh, these officers. It's, do you think they have no idea, or do you think that they're just too afraid to lose their own positions, to to go against the status quo of what's taking place? That that definitely has a, a lot to do with it. I haven't seen any of them you know, either retire or step down in disgust, but um, it, it, it's, I don't know, it's inexplicable that, 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 that the, nobody seems to come out to confront, uh, you know, say, just say that the mayor's going along with, uh, you know, this radical left element that, uh, you know, wants to do away with police, you know, so they can run their own <laughs> syndicates to, uh, you know, they, they don't look, police upsetting their their commerce so uh this, all this legislation this anti-cop legislation that keeps coming out is it's just baffling to me and and i gotta say though i i don't know that they realize that there is a a, a silent majority out there that uh i mean i, I realize that from the the, the letters that, that that we've received in support of you know officers mccabe and torgowski and I mean, my <laughs> quick story, a friend of mine's mom, 85 years old, she calls the, the office here and then her secretary says, yeah, Mrs. So-and-so uh, calls, wants to talk to you. And I, you know, I answer the phone. I'm like, yeah, how are you doing? I mean, her, I know her family well and everything. They all have my cell phone, but, um, and she said, you know, John, I just want to tell you, you got to support those men. They did nothing wrong. That man brought this upon himself. I said, you know, we're, look, we're going to do everything we can to, you know, support them. But uh, again, be, between that occurring and, and actually another uh, elderly woman that, uh, that they called, it was, I was just, I was surprised that, uh, that, that they would, you know, pick up the phone and actually call me here at the office. And uh, I was, I was, you know, obviously uh, it made, made you know and feel good because we did get, you know, as much as uh, a bad, uh, whatever hateful letters we did get uh you know thank you you know to, to police in general and uh 
you know, their hope was that, you know, through the courts that everything would get uh, straightened away and these guys would, you know, come back to work. I tend to think yeah. that yeah. it are coming from the people who really have no life and probably not employed. They sit around with nothing to do other than pick on the police. Um, there, there was a, a poll done in New York a couple of years back uh, in the poor minority communities. 85% of the community wanted the police there. So it kind of goes to the phone call that you're talking about. Um, you know, the leadership not taking a position of backing the police. You know, just last week, we had a, a telephone call, supposedly with the police commissioner, never showed up on the call. But the department was basically asking the unions to take off on a campaign to push back on some of the legislation and, you know, to stop and frisk and the things that were going on. And, and we're not participating in it. In fact, I had asked the commissioner that was on the phone to uh, empty out headquarters with the executive brass, hold your own press conference, and let you put your own selves on the line. And they won't do it. And the answer I got back, I, I was kind of shocked to hear it, was that they have positions that um, are, I, I forget the exact wording, but it was to the effect of our positions are in jeopardy. So it's okay for everyone else to put their position in jeopardy, and it's okay for you to eat your own with no problem. But when it comes to you, you forget that we all rode in a radio car, we all answered the same jobs. Um, you know, it, it's the ultimate in really pimping out the cops and what they're doing. It, it's terrible. And, and that goes to what occurred this week in, in the New York papers. Um, and, and this is to you, Bill. Are you familiar? I'm sure you saw it. Maya Wiley running the ads. Bamshini and so, Ed, I have a quote from her that Go ahead. is just unbelievable. I want to pick your brain on it. She, she said, we can't do safety at the expense of justice. That was her quote. So in essence, people going about their lives, taxpayers, going into the subway. I had a video of this poor guy taking the subway from Brooklyn to go to his mosque got the shit beat out of him in the 60th and 3rd Avenue subway, robbed, slashed with a razor, 13 stitches, beaten. That's that's not the guy we want to protect. We want to protect those two mutts that beat him up wearing $500 sneakers. That's who she is referring to. We can't do safety at the expense Where of Where is she at, though, Bill? And, John, the reason I'm asking is she's running for mayor here in New York City. Yeah. And the reason I'm bringing this up is that you had highlighted, you know, people running – where we have this occurring here in New York City. And she makes this statement days after a 10-year-old boy is shot in the head. Oh. When an unintended target was shot in the head and after one of the bloodiest weekends we have in the city of New York. And John had just mentioned it seems that only the cops care. So you think about that. Like with Black Lives Matter, um, these are all black lives that are being gunned down the street. Mm -hmm. So where are they right now? And then we have Maya Wiley, an African-American, who is sitting here um, ignoring what's taking place for the sole purpose of getting herself elected. So it really supports what John just brought up, that, you know, the cops are the ones that care. We're the ones that are actually saving black lives. But the narrative is just completely backward. You agree, Bill? A hundred percent. I mean, uh, Cyrus Vance just wrote a two-page op-ed about two weeks ago in the Daily News. He was supposed to be the DA in Manhattan, correct, right? Yes, and he's stepping down. Yeah. He is a typical snowflake liberal 
who is blaming the increase in crime on COVID, which is totally ridiculous. <laughs> it's totally ridiculous. And he's the main guy he will not prosecute. And I on our show the other day, I said, no, what the problem is to get, get crime down, arrest, prosecution, incarceration. That's, that's how you bring down crime, not ideological nonsense. He wrote a very flowery two or three page op-ed, which was so, so ridiculous. Well, just this morning, we have Mayor de Blasio holding a press conference talking about how he is going to address the gun violence by bringing the ATF in and commingling them with the NYPD to go take all the guns off the street because as a result of COVID, there's been a lot more guns that have come into the city of New York. The truth of it is, A, he's lying. He's completely lying on what's occurring here. The reason that all these shootings are occurring, at least in this city, is they put in numerous pieces of legislation. One was the diaphragm bill. Uh, we have the um, uh, uh, the one qualified immunity, qualified immunity green cloud. We've had bail reform. We've had a soft on crime policy that occurs here, and I think one of the biggest impacts we took away the anti crime unit where we have our plainclothes cops out there who are hunting and taking the guns off the streets. But they won't talk about that because all of those are their decisions. So that being said, is is bail reform, John, having a big impact in the city of Buffalo? Oh, absolutely. Uh, I mean, I want to say it's probably 80% of the reason. Uh, I think similar to, to, to New York, the, 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 uh, the handcuffs that put on the police officers through, you know, we have this carriers law that just got passed and uh, you know, we're, they, we're gonna take a stab at, at, at fighting it. But um, it's, uh, they, they disbanded our, uh, our uh, strike force unit uh, a couple years back because uh, there was a a lawful uh, I'm sorry a lawsuit filed that said uh, they were discriminating uh, where they were uh, patrolling. Well, in the city of Buffalo, there's really there's two pockets that are really treacherous. I mean, it's it's nowhere no area you want to go because you could risk it you know getting shot by an errant round. Um, I gotta say, normally, yeah, the, the gangbangers shoot gangbangers, vice versa. Uh, but occasionally, yes, it's tragic. And we do get, uh, I know there's a young 12-year-old kid got killed. Uh, I think he got shot by a uh, an AK round or hit from a couple hundred yards away at any rate, went through his, in his living room. And uh, and the kids, you know, the kid get killed, gets killed over that. Um, they, they will, it's so, I mean, it's it's almost comical to hear them wallow around and talk about, you know, well, we're gonna put an end to this, you know, we're gonna we're gonna do more neighborhood policing. And, and it's just, um, I mean, I'm not saying I'm not against neighborhood policing, it's a fine a component to, uh, to helping out, but um, there's, there's no talk of putting together any, any type of proactive, aggressive policing. And, uh, and I believe that, yes, that will get some guns off the street and certainly <clears throat> cut down on, the, uh, on the, the shootings and the murders that are occurring. And, and again, I know, God, not, not 10 years ago, we, I think we had 36 uh, murders in uh, 2009. 
and we're at 38 or 39, uh, you know, and we're not halfway through the year. Uh, and again, there's no talk of, uh, you know, any type of creation of any proactive unit, which I don't even know that they could fill, honestly, with, 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 again, the, the no backing, uh, <clears throat> there's, you know, absolutely, you, have, you can't have any faith in the, uh, you know, in the, what the administration's going to do and or, again, when the politicians are on their, you know, bully pulpit uh, microphones, um, there was so, uh, quite a few that uh, actually, you know, don't, are, you know, attacked uh, the, these two officers. On the other side, there was a, there was a couple, surprisingly, that, that said, no, nah, there was there was nothing here. These these kids, you know, kids did nothing wrong, which, uh, you know, the majority, though, went, went against all the way up to the governor. I mean, the governor, and that was another thing I'm really curious about. The governor mentioned in one of his uh, press conferences that he spoke with Mr. Gugino, and, and that that really has me like, how did how was that facilitated? I'm very curious to to find that out. Um, you know, well, he, he was probably trying to get political mileage out of it for himself. Oh, you know, without question. When they, yeah, the, he's well. I don't I don't know who's going to win the that uh that that run next year that'll that'll be interesting we'll see uh if this uh this this uh inquiry whatever they're calling it uh you know finds anything more more i guess that that, that we know more than we know that uh you know they're gonna i don't know if they're gonna prosecute him or what they'll do with all those uh, sexual harassment charges you know ed and i both wrote a book up while on duty and got a five million dollar advance I don't know. Have you have you done that in Buffalo? <laughs> <laughs> and we had our staff write it for us. And we let a lot of people die while we were doing it. Yeah, <laughs> yeah exactly. Well, you're reading uh, those PowerPoints every day and looking like you knew what you were talking about. I'm still waiting for that offer to come in, but uh, <laughs> yeah, you got to be proactive. You got to be proactively write a book. It's in the pipeline. <laughs> you know? Yeah. Why do you think we have such a failure in leadership? You know, particularly in this state, I mean, New York State's got to be amongst the worst state in a country. But you're seeing this across the country. Why, why do you think we have this failure in leadership? What, what's taking place? This is both of you. What do you think? I mean, it, on a map, it just looks like the the, the red states do it better. Um, I, I, I don't know. I don't even know if that's factual, but when you look at the you know, L.A., whatever, New York, Chicago, you know, the Baltimore, the Detroit, they're all, you know, blue, blue areas, say. And, uh, you know, I don't know if it's that they're afraid to, um, you know, aggressively police these these areas or what. I don't I don't know what, what that is, but uh, it, it, that sure seems that way. It looks like a pattern. Bill, yeah, I think that the uh, the pandering to their base and i don't know if their base really wants what they want it's almost like they're reading from a script an anti-police script uh in new york city everyone is anti-stop question and frisk everything that comes out against the police at least the uh the democrats or the progressives are totally for handcuffing the police but yet people that live in these neighborhoods that depend on the police to survive 
they they don't want what these uh, progressive politicians want. They want the police working in their communities. You know, you hear the term over-policing. You know, over-policing can occur in neighborhoods where you're getting a lot of shootings, a lot of homicides, a lot of robberies, because that's who need the police, and that's where the tactics that we've learned to employ can can affect and lower crime. Look, no one's going to go to a, a neighborhood like the Upper East Side in Manhattan that's basically getting zero violence. Well, not zero, but a very low amount of violence, and police it the same way you're going to police the three two or the seven five in Brooklyn, they, you got to police them differently. I just think a lot of them are just afraid to take on the backlash, and and the backlash comes from a small number of people. When you look at the volume of people on a like New York City's eight million people, so what we're doing is catering, and I'm going to exaggerate the numbers to, for the purpose of a point, but let's say we're catering to a thousand people out of out of 8 million, the news media is carrying their stories. The elected officials are pandering and they're not representing the rest of the people in the city. They're not representing the tourism. I mean, I mean, we have tourists being shot in the city of New York. We have residents being shot. We have children. There's been more children shot in the city of New York this year than I can think of in the last five years. It's, it's like every week, you know, what age of a child is going to be shot. And I think that there's a, a real, um, lack of of desired will, you know, to make tough decisions. Uh, I just don't think they want to deal with the backlash. Cowardice is more like it. It's right. terrible what we're seeing happening. A, a lot of cowardice, and I see it in the ranks of the NYPD. And I struggle with this because, and I never worked with you, John, in a radio car or, or with Bill for that matter. But if we had to go in a car right now, we would function as a team, and we know exactly what's taking place in the street. But so does the brass that runs these departments, the, the chiefs who are setting policy and, and really rolling over for these elected officials. They know what that cop in the street does. And yet they continue to send them into harm's way purely for their own survival. And I, I, I really have trouble, you know, accepting that from them. It's terrible. You know, Ed, it's amazing how cops and I take my hat off to them, even though I say be careful that they're still proactively taking guns off the street, even under these untenable, ridiculous rules that they're uh, forced to work under. Uh, it's really because, by nature, they're good people. Yeah. They're the same people that his kids in grammar school stuck up for the kid that was being bullied. Um, they were probably, you know, the people that went to the store for their neighbor or just helped when somebody needed help. And that's really who the cops are. Um, I think now, and I'm curious your thoughts, John, with the Tish James legislation, it's about to get shoved down our throats. I mean, she is basically neutering police in the state of New York from getting involved in anything. And I don't think the public is even aware of this on what's coming their way if this piece of legislation goes through. And I'm curious how many of the elected officials in the Senate, the Assembly, and all of them, are going to send this, you know, to the governor to be signed, and will the governor sign it? What do you think, John? That, well, I, I, I'm. Our hope is obviously that that he won't sign it, you know, because her name's attached to it. I'm gonna guess she's gonna be his major uh, contender in uh, next year's uh, run. So that was, you know, again, hoping. 
potentially that that would be an outcome where he'd say, no, I'm this whatever, it's flawed and I can't sign it. Uh, but even though he may be uh, totally behind the components of it 100%, um, I, I I don't know what she wants as, you know, the, the head uh, law enforcement agent in New York State. You'd never know it from her comments. Um, I don't, I mean, she came out in the, the Rochester, we had a crude case, and uh, she, she came out after and said she was disappointed that the, the grand jury didn't indict the officers. I mean, she came out publicly and said that. I thought, my God, I, you talk about a tainted jurist or what have you um i i, I was baffled by that um no i, I again I, I think it's just gonna put more bloodshed on the streets when you're trying to dissuade the, the officers from being cops it's it's i don't know it's, it's crazy for me it's, it's baffling and uh i mean going back to the other you know political issue it's you know you hear this term optics and uh to, to politicians, it seems that uh, it's become acceptable to to have to sacrifice, you know, a cop here or there, his career, his livelihood, his family life, you know, in order to uh, appease this, again, the, the progressive left, whatever, that's the, the radical left, the way I see it. But uh, I, I don't know. It's, uh, I, I just, I, I really, I, I don't know how they can uh, look at themselves in the mirror uh, knowing that you know the the chaos and the carnage that they've and through their legislation is is creating and causing on the streets, it's just baffling to me. Well, you know, you know, John, it's because they don't care. They care about power, and they care about their own power. When Cuomo heard about all the crime happening in New York City, he was like, "Oh my God, there's crime!" All of a sudden, <laughs> he woke up. You know, oh yeah, there is crime, Andy, and and it's because of you. And some of your policies, you know, the criminal justice reform, allowing all these things to go on and not say anything against it. You know, he, he's the kind of guy that could be in a room where a, a grenade goes off and he wouldn't even get dust on himself, you know? <laughs> no. It, it never touches him. Yeah. It's easy for them to claim that they're not aware because no one's going to sit there and tell them that they are aware. It, 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 they get away with it. The media doesn't hold them accountable for it. And you know, I don't think that that's an excuse for anybody because none of us would be able to say, I didn't know. Our job is to know. That's our job. Yeah. Whereas the governor, your job is to know. As the mayor, your job is to know. Um, what I just find really uh, disgraceful is that they actually come out and lie to the people. And we're on the ground. We know what's going on in the street. And they talk to us at times and they know what's going on in the street. And I'm almost embarrassed for the people who stand next to them when they do these press conferences, especially in a cop shot. You know, we, we have a cop shot. Everybody stands together. And, you know, yeah. I want to point the finger. The reason why this cop is shot, because this mayor put policies out, along with this city councilman, Corey Johnson, and, and the guns are on the street, and the governor's got bail reform going, and these are the people that are out there shooting cops. But instead, we sit and we give this rhetoric about, you know, this is terrible. A police officer has been shot. Call him out. What the, let the chief call him out for a change. Let the people up there call him out. It doesn't happen. And it's it's not fair to the cop in the street. And that's the problem. No, you're 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 chief there that uh, with Pantaleo that case. Uh, 
man, I, I was, I don't even, I, I don't, I don't know how he, <laughs> how he he, he, he's, he's gone. He, he, it was the last guy, I can't remember his, his name. O'Neill, he'll be forever remembered in the NYPD as the guy that just bent over and took it from the mayor. That's wow. exactly who he is. Um, the guy just had no spine. He indicted one of our sergeants um, with, with frivolous statements. The guy had a shooting. They swung a baseball bat at him. And, um, you know, he said he failed. I mean, well, I'll tell you what, Commissioner. How about you standing here? Let me swing a baseball bat at your head. Let's see how that uh, but, you know, they forget and they they begin to believe that they're bigger than who they are. Interesting. You can't remember his name. So he enjoyed his 15 minutes of fame and he's gone. And now no one remembers his name, but they'll always remember that the guy that fired Pantaleo. And that's the guy. So you're really not that important in these jobs. Right? I'm not that important in my job and neither right. will be somewhere down the line. But do your job and do it the right way. But they roll over and. We haven't had a good run with police commissioners since Ray Kelly left this job. It's been terrible. Terrible. Bill, where do we go from here? Well, you know, I think that one of the things is that we do have to uh, call out these progressive politicians and really demonstrate how the decisions they're making and the handcuffs they're putting on the police are not just affecting the police, but affecting the very communities that need the police the most. Because when you when police can't be proactive look ed when i saw that video of that old guy getting beaten by these two thugs in the subway and the subway was at 60th and 3rd avenue during the afternoon and they're wearing 500 sneakers it reminded me of you know the late 80s early 90s when crime was out of control but they don't care about that 64 year old man that just got the shit beat out of him yeah. they care about those two thugs right that are beating him more than they care about that old man. So as long as that happens, we got to call these people out. We got to call out the city council. We got to call out Corey Johnson. We got to call out Maya Wiley. I can't even believe she's a candidate with some of the stuff coming out of her mouth. It's unbelievable. We've been calling out, Bill. You and I have been calling out. A lot of us have been calling out, but it would it certainly help if the police commissioner called them out. It would certainly help if the chiefs that are running this job call them out. You know, they have an obligation to uphold the Constitution. They have an obligation to do what's right, and and they just won't do it. it you, you just don't see this happening. You know, Asians are being attacked here. Hasidics are being attacked here. And we pretend it doesn't happen. Everything's COVID-related. And, and you know what the response is to Asians being attacked? Let's make a hate crimes law. How about you just enforce the laws that are already on the books? We don't need more laws. Just let the police they do not want to enforce the laws. That, that's the bottom line. They no, don't. they don't. That's 100% correct. That's, you know. That's the elephant in the room. You're right. They don't want to enforce the laws. John, I got a question for you. In in Buffalo, I'm going to guess, and I may be wrong, are you having a homeless problem in Buffalo? And if so, is the leaders of Buffalo, the mayor, the city council, are they hiding the homeless into the hotels, the maybe the lower budget hotels, the boutique hotels? Uh, in New York City, it's so out of control. You know, the mayor's wife has... Um, a billion dollars that's unaccounted for, no one talks about. And now the homeless are just rampant throughout the city of New York. So what they've been doing is sticking them into these hotels. The hotel owners accept it because it's big box. And so now you come to New York to visit with, you know, to enjoy the city on a vacation. And you may be staying with some homeless people. 
that are in the very same hotel. And some of them are mentally ill. Some of them have criminal backgrounds. But you think you're just staying in this beautiful hotel. Is that happening in Buffalo? Actually, I haven't seen it there. haven't heard about that. Uh, they actually just redid the uh, the city mission and expanded on it. So, I, <clears throat> again, I have not heard it. I don't know that it's not happening, but uh, I think that most most go over, over to the mission and, uh, you know, get taken care of there. Uh, thankfully, <laughs> thankfully, that hasn't come our way yet, to my knowledge. Well, I guess Bill, we can probably send some north and take the pressure off the hotel. <laughs> you, you know, the, the one policy I liked the best that uh, Bloomberg did was he would give any homeless person a one-way ticket to anywhere in the United States that they wanted. He actually did that. Oh, you want to go to Hawaii? Yeah, here's a one-way ticket. Just don't come back. <laughs> now you're Hawaii's problem. And now you know. He, and he was a, a kinder, gentler a Democrat too. He sent them to a nicer climate. That's right. That's yeah, right. I, I, it's a shame. Uh, I got to say, uh, we were actually discussing this the other day, a bunch of us saying how, you know, we used to, you know, go to a trip down to New York, you know, at least a long weekend or something and just have a nice time and, you know, look around, see the sights and that. And uh, we were talking about it the other day. It's, you know, we scratched that right off our, our, our card. Not a, not a chance. Um, you know, and that's that's really a shame because, uh, God, I was <clears throat> I was back there in the early uh, late '80s um, down in down in New York for some time. Uh, more frequently, I had, a, I had a girlfriend down there. At any rate, uh, uh, you know, it was. Hey, you, you don't have to confess to anything on this show, right? <laughs> <laughs> no, no, but uh, it was. Uh, there were there. Were, you know, again, it was. It was when the crack was taken off and the crime was, you know, off the charts. And you really, you know, you really be conscious or careful where, uh, you know, where you went. And then, you know, it, uh, I don't know, Giuliani came in and seemed to really clean it up and make it a nice, uh, nice place to visit, nice place to go. But uh, this De, De Blasio, man, this clown, I, good God, I don't know how you, you managed, survived through his his terms. Uh, we didn't. We didn't. Pops up here and crime has skyrocketed. Um, you know, he's the cause of a lot of the problems that are here in the city of New York. And, you know, many people I've spoken to have said something very similar. You just did is we don't come back to New York. Uh, we used to like to take a vacation. So you think about the impact, you know, in a small little world that we're living in. But, you know, globally, if how many people won't come to New York, for vacations and what's the impact of that to business and taxes and the overall economy of the city? It's terrible. No, absolutely. Yeah. He did a great job at destroying that, uh, you know, a great place to, to go, but, uh, Hey, don't be shocked if we see the Blasio primary Como next year. You never know. Don't be shocked. You know, that's right. I, I don't think, well, I know I, I, neither of them will, will fare well out here actually. Uh, the city's run, uh, you know, by, uh, you know, Democrats have a stronghold in the city, but the the surrounding areas are, are pretty, uh, pretty, uh, you know, red uh, as far as, uh, you know, your second ring suburbs and the like, and the southern tiers all, like you know. Like Batavia, Chittawaga, uh, Lockport. I remember all those cities surrounding Buffalo. <laughs> hey, with the open borders, you may be able to just drive the homeless right to the other side. <laughs> well. Oh, yeah, that's that's been an issue too. I don't know when that Canadian border is gonna 
going to open up out here because uh, there's a there's a great deal of commerce being being lost there. You know, but that's I get it during the due to the COVID. Uh, that's actually something you could attribute to COVID, not that uh, you know you want to kill people and uh, you know. <laughs> cause uh cause all the crime and ruckus that you can and just try to scapegoat it and say uh it's due to covid yeah. like where where did that come from it's amazing that they try to hang their hat on that which is so so ridiculous you know well like like w w so now it's i don't say covid gone or you know it's basically a, a non-entity at this point so crime should just go down and go away right it's yeah. gonna it's going to evaporate. Well, yeah. COVID has been the cure for everything. It cured suicides, cancer. It cured vehicle fatalities. No one died of any of this during COVID. Everything was COVID related. And now COVID's responsible for crime. So um, you got a good point. We should have zero crime soon based right. on COVID, right? And the guns and, will be disappearing. And except burglaries went down hugely because everyone's oh, home. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> There's the reason right there. <laughs> no one's going back. Right. Anything else you want to add in before we wrap up? Uh, no. I mean, this. My hope. My hope is for society's sake that uh, you know there it gets to be a, another go back to having consequences for illegal actions. I mean, I, outside that, you know, I don't know. <laughs> we're we're gonna say we're doomed, but. We're doomed. Well, it's funny because, uh, you know, quite a few people think it's going to take a long time to have the pendulum swing back the other way. And um, it's kind of sad because the question becomes how many more people will be shot? How many more people will die? And, you know, what do you really do in a state like this that's falling apart? I, I see, like, in California, everyone's leaving. A lot of people are leaving here. They're going to Florida and down to Carolinas. So it... it it could really get worse as we go forward. Bill, anything on to wrap up? Yeah, I just want to say that as some uh, historian once said, the business of the United States is business. And the business of New York City is business. And if New York City loses business because of this crime tsunami that's coming, if the stock exchange loses, uh, leaves New York City, if the theater district doesn't come back, then all these woke politicians that are planning on spending money that's not going to be there because they haven't protected the city and protected the citizenry that's coming in there to spend their money. If they don't do that, then shame on them, and they don't belong in office. Interesting point is just in the last week, several people I've spoken with uh, have family members working in private companies, and they're looking to bring their employees back into the office. And you know they were pretty much surveyed as to... Um, what their concern would be about coming back if they had any fears of COVID. And the big answer was they weren't afraid of COVID, but they were afraid of crime in the city of New York. So if that continues, what will the impact be to business? That's a good point you got there, Bill. Um, that being said, we're out of time. And um, I want to thank you, John, for taking the time. We want to bring you back and we'll follow up on what's taking place with your civil case. And if there's ever anything that you need from us here in NYPD, just feel free to call. Be happy to help. Bill, always fun to do this with you. Yeah, John, just send us a couple dozen mild chicken wings, all right, from the Anchor Bar. <laughs> mild? <laughs> no, sounds good. No problem at all. It is my pleasure. Here we go. But uh, once again, I'm Ed Mullins, and thanks for watching To The Point.
Good hey, afternoon. 